you do open your Bibles, Luke 16. We're going to spend some time in Luke 16 over the next month. We're starting a new series called True Riches. So disclaimer, we're going to talk about the very offensive topic of money during this, during this month. But we also see that Jesus, out of his 40 plus parables, he talked or used 13 of them to give us insight in how to deal with, with, with money. So if you get offended by the church talking about money or the, or the Honda Mobilio that the, the pastor drives, this is probably not a month to come to church. So we want to we specifically focus on Luke 16 verse 11, and it says the following. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? If you're, un, if, if you're faithful with, with unrighteous mammon, then there's a reward of the true riches. But I want us to read just the whole piece so you can follow in your Bibles. It's a great thing that we're starting. Bring your Bible to church. It's going to change the world. So Luke 16, it's quite an interesting parable. Uh, if, you, if you read, every, you can read so much into it, but there's some main themes that God wants to, to highlight. So Luke 16 verse 1, it says, He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called, called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. He doesn't like manual labor. I think some of us is also in that position. We, we're not, we don't want to do manual labor. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe me? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Very interesting. What is Jesus trying to say here? And then Jesus makes this comment. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And he's specifically speaking about the way that we manage money. He says, if we look at the world we see a shrewdness that's not in the church. He's not saying that you need to be dishonest. He's not saying that you need to do exactly what he's trying, what he's saying in the parable where this guy went and he halved all the debts of his, his debtors. That's not what Jesus, the point that Jesus is trying to make. He's saying there's a shrewdness that we need to step into so that we can manage wealth, money well, so that we can get to verse 11, which says that he will give us the true riches. And then verse 9, also a key verse in understanding the parable. 
And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. So Jesus making this statement, he says, I've been, you've been given something, money. Use that with people. There's a big key there. Use what you have been given monetary, in, in, a, in a monetary way and use that with people. So that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. So it's almost an awkward, awkward in, insert here, eternal, eternal dwellings. So Jesus is saying, yeah, these people now receive the dishonest manager because he did them a favor. But there's something that we can do with money that will actually give us a reward in eternity. And that's, that's the focus of the parable. Jesus is saying, I want you to steward this well, the money that I've been given, that has been given to you so that it will get an eternal reward. And then verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. All of us have heard this, your mom or your dad or even myself, I'm quoting this to my kids. If you're faithful with a, with a little, uh, you will also be faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you? Not faithful in unrighteous wealth or mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word there is mammon. You cannot serve both of them. You can maybe love rugby and you can be a Christian, but you cannot serve, be, a, be mastered by money or any other idol. But specifically in this parable, Jesus is talking about, about money. So why is Jesus talking so much about money? 13 out of the 40 plus parables, Jesus speaks about money. Because Jesus, he is a practical teacher. He knows that money is important for all of us. The clothes that you are wearing, and thank God that all of you are wearing clothes, you're bought with? Money. The breakfast you ate this morning, you bought with money. The TV that you watched, the rugby on last night, you bought with money. You're sending your kids to school with money. The house that you're staying in, it's, it's money. The fact that I'm here and I can be your pastor is because you earned money and you gave some of that money to the church and therefore I, have, I can have a salary and I can feed my four kids and our one dog. It's, it's beautiful. But God... He understands that we're living in a world where the world revolves around money. It's always been like that. But Jesus is making a point and he's asking us to come higher so that he can give us something that's greater than money. The true riches. And this is what we're after. Okay, so a little bit about unrighteous mammon. It's the word the Hebrew word for money, 
And in verse 13, Jesus says he can be a master. He can be a master. If you are not careful in the way that you deal with money, the way that you think with money, stewarding the affinities of your heart towards possessions, it will become a master. In the Middle Ages, they called Mammon one of the seven princes of hell. I loved in the, new, in the Middle Ages, they often use these very extreme language to explain stuff. It's a prince of hell. And then, very importantly, it will become an object of worship. Where's our worship? So, in that, you can read already that, that Jesus is saying, I need to be the Lord of your life. I need to be the Lord of your finances. I need to be the Lord of the motivation in your heart. And we need to test that because we cannot serve both Jesus and mammon. So what are the true riches? Because that's, that's what we want. What, what is the reward to stewarding our finance as well? It's like little Julia, her love language is sugar. So yesterday morning she woke up. And the first thing she came, to, she came to me and said, Hey, Dad, can I get a cookie? Because Grandma and Granddad visited and they brought some cookies. She just wants a cookie. She just wants a cookie. So I said to her, Okay, great. You're going to eat your breakfast and then you can eat one cookie. So the reward is the cookie. The breakfast was eaten almost immediately. Because the motivation, the, the carrot in front of her, the cookie in front of her, helped her to push through the breakfast that's healthy so that she can get to the cookie. And God's also into rewards. One of the reasons why we are willing to suffer is because we think of suffering in terms of eternity. This will pass. 70, 80 years, 120 if you're lucky, this will pass. But if you live it with Jesus being your Lord, then you're going to be received in an eternal, in, a eternal dwelling with Him. And God is everything that's good. It's better than winning the lottery. It's better than winning the World Cup. It's, it's emotionally, physically, intellectually rewarding in every single way. So what is the reward? What, is the true, what are the true riches? Ephesians 3, 8 verse 10, Paul makes a statement about the riches of Christ. He says, to me though I'm very... I'm the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable, some translations say inexhaustible, riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So Paul's saying he discovered the true riches. 
And the true riches came to him in the form of the gospel. It was Jesus presenting himself as the sacrifice for our sins so that it's not only for him, but it became a message that he started preaching all over to the Gentiles, the people that should not have been included in this covenant that God made with Israel is now included through the true riches in Christ, the gospel. So when we think of true riches, we must think of the kingdom of God. And when I, when I think of the kingdom of God, I often think of a spence, your, your mom's spence. Okay? It's, it's, and, and the good food, the broccoli, everything, all, everything is there in the spence. Okay, so God's giving us access to the treasures of heaven through Jesus Christ. And that treasures might not be the thing that you are after, but it's going to be the thing that God is going to give to you and that will sustain you and will bring you into an eternal dwelling with Him. So the true riches are always connected to the kingdom of God and ultimately it speaks of impact in people's lives. It speaks of impact in people's lives. If you've heard any of the interviews that Sia Kulisi or even Rassi or Jock Nienaber had the last while, and they were speaking about the World Cup and the possibility of winning the World Cup, all of them made mention of this thing. They said, we are playing for a higher purpose, not only to win the World Cup. There's, there's a higher, higher purpose to this. And here is the higher purpose that God is revealing to us. Yes, we are stewarding our money. Yes, we are investing money. Yes, we want to make a lot of money. But the reason that we do all of this, and this is where our attitude should be, is we want the true riches, and that is the fullness of the kingdom of God, but even more so, not only the fullness of the kingdom of God for myself, but impact in people around us. The true riches is, like Paul's saying here, like he received it as a Pharisee, as a Jew, but now he's carrying that message to the world out there. That is the true riches. If you've ever done one of these these courses where they help you with like what is purpose in life, what's your mission statement, what do you want to do um, in terms of changing this world, they often ask you this question. What would you want people to say about you at your 80th birthday or at your funeral? And then we reverse engineering those comments into a mission statement, a purpose statement for yourself. And all the people would say something along this line. Like, I want that person to say, wow, I had an impact in, or this person that's now dead, or this person that's 80, he had an impact in my life, a positive contribution to my life. Nobody says, wow, that was... I want those people to say, wow, he acquired so much wealth. Oh, wow, he had an amazing big screen in his TV. Oh, wow, he had three houses. Nobody gets to that. They would love for people to say that, 
but it's always should be functional towards this goal of impacting people. All of us want that. I would love my kids to be at my 80th birthday and say, Dad, you are a legend. You did some funny things. We loved A, B, and C about you, but thank you for the most important thing. You gave us Christ, and therefore you have impacted my, my life. You've impacted our lives. All of us want this, the true riches. And here is a key in receiving this true riches, just stewarding our money well. This is what Jesus is saying. And the great thing is, God wants to give us this. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure. It pleases Him. He does, his desire is of this. To give us what? The kingdom. So He wants to give us the true riches. But there are principles that we need to apply in life in order to access the true riches. So how can we be faithful with unrighteous mammon? And I, I, I like this, this statement. How can we be faithful in unrighteous mammon? Because we are... We are going into the devil's playground. We're taking a demon, a prince of hell, so to speak. And we are stewarding what he wants to corrupt in such a way. So I've always been kind of sadistic in my, in my nature. I, I love the fact to think of the devil is looking at me and he, he sees me worshiping in a difficult time and just irritates him. I love it that he that he gets irritated by what I'm doing. Even this morning, I felt like I woke up this morning and I'm like, my mind's like, Amor, you're a second service person. This morning, you're a second service person. You, you should go to the second service. And then my, my, my responsibility kicks in. and I'm like, hey, I'm the pastor. No, mind, I, I need to be at the first service. And walking in here, still having like little of a, a, a emotional roller coaster ride in my heart and in my mind. I'm like, thank you, James, for leading us in this praise song. So think of when you're stewarding your finances, then you, you're actually giving it to the devil. You're giving it to the devil. You are going into his country. Because that's where he loves operating in the area of our finances with, with our flesh. And you're going into his country and you're just revealing, wow, this is who Jesus is. Hey, devil, look at me. Look at me. Then tithing, then offering, giving, investing, doing, doing a business well becomes a weapon of spiritual warfare. So there are four things that are important when spending our money. The one is saving, investing, giving, and living. Living is also important. So saving speaks of taking what we have and being wise in stewarding our finances according to certain priorities. 
When I asked my grandmother just before she died, I asked her, give me some adva- financial advice. Because when, when my grandfather passed away, we discovered that he had he'd saved massive amounts of money. Like my brother has the same names than my grandfather. And then the, I think it was Sunlam or one of these phoned my, my brother and said, hey, you have, still have this this." This, did he pull us, this investment with us? And I was like, no, I don't have investment. And then we found out it's my grandfather's. And, and when my grandmother was told about this, she's like, how did he do this? How did he save up so much money? I didn't even know about this. By the way, you should talk about your, with your wife about your finances or your, or your husband. And then I asked her, so, hey, Grandma, what, what, what would you give to me as advice to, for, for stewarding finances? And she said, Never eat out. <laughs> she said, that's a waste of money. Especially if, if you have lots of kids. That's what she said. Because they, they had five. So saving, saving is godly. If you, if you save, if you go past that, that temptation. Now you've, you've already bought your fifth cup of coffee, cappuccino there from, from Mulwigs, and you're like, hey, I'm going to save on the sixth one. I'm going to make myself coffee at home. Or, you, or with kids, you walk past the aisle with all, this, all the chocolate, and, and Julia is screaming, throwing a tantrum. She wants that sweetie. She actually already put that sweetie into your basket. And then you're going to say, no, devil, no. Take it out of the basket, show Julia, look at her, and you're like, Nia. It's, it's saving, but think of saving as being spiritual warfare. My, and I, I think my dad wouldn't mind me saying this, but he, he was horrible at investing, and in, in, in my mom also in a way. Like, didn't make wise financial decisions when it comes to investing, like, putting money somewhere so it can become more, etc. But they were so brilliant at saving. Like, they are brilliant, brilliant at saving. And I learned that from them. And I have a big, big, just honoring attitude towards them, just saving on everything. And then, so... And then investing. And investing is not only when we speak of putting money somewhere and buying equity in a company, etc. Investing is also when you pay for education. Investing is when you work on a skill. When you wake up 5 o'clock in the morning before your normal job and you work on a skill. You watch YouTube clips or you go to varsity, you pay for your kids' education. That's investing. When I pay my school fees for the kids every month, I'm like, I'm investing into them. I'm building the kingdom through my kids. They are missionaries into that school, but they're also going to be well-equipped, skillful missionaries into the world. So you need to acquire skills. So invest in that. Don't be afraid to see that as investing. But then obviously to be wise, to, to buy, buy property or to lend out or rent out a, a flat or whatever it might be, 
investing, and then, then giving. And what does giving do? Giving says money doesn't control me. Say it doesn't control me. The person who can give out easily says money doesn't control me. The devil's like, hey, keep that for yourself. It's a bigger car, a bigger house, a bigger TV, a better bicycle, or just more restaurants that you can go to. That's what the devil is screaming at you. And you're like, I'm giving it away, devil. Just like you look at little Julia putting that sweet into your basket. You're like, near. It's an act of spiritual warfare. And the more you do that, and it becomes a discipline, the more it becomes who you are, and then it's not Master Mammon, sometimes he wins, sometimes Master Jesus wins. No, it's always then Jesus. And then also living. It's important that we live. Some, some people are always complaining about how expensive life is. They're always complaining about, hey, I cannot buy this now because what about this and that and this? It's a fearful, undergirding foundation that should be removed. We should be able to live. If you've prioritized, if you've budgeted your money for living, then live it out to the fullest. If you go to the shop, you buy yourself the best t-shirt with the money that you've budgeted. It's so important. And you live it and you show it off. Just go for it. Buy the best car that you can buy with the money that you've budgeted, that you've prioritized. It's so important. I grew up in a, in a, in a religious environment, and often people would make comments about people just living. There's some, some of you, when you go overseas and you've put it into your budget, you won't even post photos of that on Facebook because you're afraid of what people will say. And those people that, that are going to come and say, hey, kijk al hij geld verdeed. They're not living. You're living. One of our guys, members in show for Grootbrook, he, he was at the World Cup game yesterday. I'm like, yes, I want to celebrate with him. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And he's going, he went with his dad. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. I know it must have cost a lot of money. But I know that he, it's, it's within his budget. He can do it. And we should celebrate that. That's why I asked him to send a video of how he says he's represent, representing Shofar Grootbrak at the World Cup final. Just love it. Not so that you can be better than other people. Don't live on your credit card and, say, and show fo- off all the photos on your Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. No, live. Live well. So what is the most important thing in the kingdom of God? Of these four elements of spending money or stewarding wealth. All of them. Because they all play into one another. And I'm, I'm going to focus just the last 10 minutes of the sermon just on, on giving. It's not the most important one because you, if you save more and you invest more, and you live within your budget, you're going to be able to give more. So all of them play into one another. And you're going to have Satan here standing next to you, and you're going to go like, 
Hey, Satan, look at where I'm spending my money. Look at the kingdom impact. Hold it before you. Say, look at this. Wow. Amazing. So when it comes to giving, the couple of scriptures that I'm just going to read, and then we're going to focus on three things, and then we're going to watch a video, and then we're going to ask you to fill in these pledge cards, which is forgiving, by the way. Money. We'll get there. So 1 Corinthians 16, in the message translation, so it says, Every Sunday, each of you make an offering and put it in safekeeping. Be as generous as you can. When I get there, you'll have it ready, and I won't have to make a special appeal. So this is Paul writing to his church. Why is Paul doing this? The apostle that wrote most of the books in the New Testament. Why is he saying this? Why is that important? Because he understands the principle of giving towards the kingdom for the true riches. And it's not only for Paul to have the reward of the true riches, but it's for everybody that's giving. If you're sowing into this church, if you're sowing into a ministry, you are a partaker of the impact on people's lives. Deuteronomy 14.22, and that whole scripture is about the, the tithe, and there's a bunch of other scriptures also in Leviticus, and, and even Jesus spoke about the tithe in Matthew 23. It says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. So why is that important to God? Malachi 3 verse 10, scripture that we all know, but so powerfully speaks into this concept of tithing. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? It's the place where you get fed. So if you're not from this church, you don't have to tithe into this church. It's to tithe into the place that you get fed spiritually. The, the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. So food speaks of resources for the house of God, for the, for the church. Might be a chair, might be a poor person that we're helping, might be a salary for a pastor, might be a new sound system, might be resources so we can better and more effectively reach into our communities. So it's, it's the food. And God says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not, not be enough, sorry, not be room enough to store it. So I, I, I just read that scripture, that's enough for me. Remember my grandfather, he was a, he was a teacher, I asked him also for advice. At the end of his life for financial advice. He says, it's simple, just, just tithe. There's a scripture. This, the heavens will be opened up for you in blessing. And not always in financial blessing. But just in, in security in that God has my back. God is for me. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it do we trust God do we do we trust God because that's what our 
our financial statements or our bank account speaks of. If God's reading through your bank account, does it show that you are serving mammon? Does it show that you're serving God? Does it show that you trust God? Because we want to trust God, that His promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And there are three sort of concepts within giving in the Bible. The one is the first fruit giving. In Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your fats will be bursting with wine. So it's this idea that when we receive that first bit of income, we say, Lord, we don't know, because they, they were an agricultural culture. They didn't know, will there be more? Maybe the hail will come. Maybe the George rain will come. We don't know if, if, if it's going to be like this. It looks like a good crop, but we don't know what's gonna, what the weather's going to do. And then God says, give that to me to reveal your trust that I will bring in the rest. So there's a first fruit principle. And often it ties in with the tithe. That's why at the end of the month, I don't, I don't go and I put in the amount and then I tithe. It's already off before I even think of the tithe. When the salary comes in, it goes. For me, it's, my tithing is also my first fruit. I don't want to think about it. Lord, I trust that it, I, will be, I will have enough. And then second one is, is tithing. So tithing literally means a tenth. And so people ask, so is it before tax or after tax? You can have that discussion with the Lord. One day in heaven, God's not going to come to you and, and say, listen here, I think you, you had it wrong. You actually tithe a ninth. You're a horrible person. I told you in Scripture it's only a tenth, but you tithe a ninth. No, we're not going to get that. Err in the side of trusting God more. That's, that's my policy in everything, not only in finances. And then, then offering, it just speaks of a heart of generosity. Like we are willing to give. There's that principled giving of giving your tithe every month. It's a discipline in our house. That's what we, that's what we do. And then there's the giving. Then there's the person that's, that's in need. Then there's the, the, the extra thing that we want to do at church. Then there's a outreach. Then we, we give. But we have stewarded our resources in such a way that we can do that. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, and this is really the heart of the new covenant giving. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So compulsion means you shouldn't take this message and now go back home and say, Hey, the pastor said, now I have to. The wrath of God's going to come upon me if I don't do this. No, this is not what God's saying. God's saying you need to go and you need to build relationship with the Lord and realize that you can trust Him.